welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week I spoke in my parents' home with Tammy Sussman, who is a performance poet, writer and comedian. She came over to my house in the morning and we had tea and talked about all of the things we have in common and all of the things that we don't have in common. I've met her a couple of times and every time we find out another thing that we have in common, not only do we share the middle name Rebecca, we've also both somehow ended up doing a lot of the same things with our lives. So this was an interesting conversation. I asked her a little bit about her life and then we went through uh, actually a whole stack of wait, hear me outs that she had written down on a delightful list which I now have stuck to my fridge. If you wanted to email me about this podcast or any other, email me on alicerfraser at gmail.com or look me up on alliterative on Twitter, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Everyone's a Winner is still available. If you want to listen to it online, there's a link. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. I definitely enjoyed having it. There's a brief cameo by my twin brother who woke up and walked downstairs into the middle of our podcast, but I thought it was kind of fun, so I left it in. You're having tea with Alice. Okay, so, Tammy Swissman, welcome to the podcast. How Thanks, are you? Alice. Good. Um, so you've brought me tea? Yes. I've brought two um, miscellaneous tea bags. One of them is in a, a posh yeah, prism like shape. A, a prism shape is... Mm, what is it? smells sort of like a green tea with something floral. I, f- I smell lavender. Yeah, I'd say jasmine and lavender. It's like a fancied up jasmine Jasmine, tea. you're right. It is jasmine. And I reckon you're right, it is green. And it's probably got some rice flakes in it. And the other one smell also fruity. Mm. Yeah, I'd say f- this one's a fruit, like a maybe a r- rubos fruit or something. Look at us, us try hard tea aficionados. Well, you need to know what tea you're drinking so you know what you're going to talk about. I'm sorry, then I, sh- I took the label. Well, that one didn't have a label. Actually, no, I, they both didn't have a label, but I suppose I could have brought the box or something. I'm sorry I've left you in the dark. I just thought it would be fun to not know what we were drinking. That's all right. Or I could just tell you that it's really expensive tea. It's from this organic store. I think we should do, we should try the pyramid tea. Okay. Well, we're doing that first. I'm going to let you have the first one. Oh. Well, I don't think that's right. I think I, you're the guest, so it should be the <laughs> But you're lucky. I like my tea quite weak. So do I. So, uh, I'm just... Is that another weird thing that we have in common that we just keep discovering about each other? Yeah, we have a lot <laughs> of weird things in common. First, the poetry thing, which I have to say mm. I admire you massively for because I write poetry but I have no guts about it. Uh-huh. I, can't, I can't put it out into the world Okay. because I find it so vulnerable. Mm. So I stick with stand-up, which has kind of got... <laughs> See, that's funny because then I, on the flip side, admire you for getting your comedy stuff out because that's something that I still... I'm, um, I guess, so insecure about the comedy stuff that I still can't even say that I'm a comedian because mm. I just still don't have the confidence to say that I am. So what do you say when people ask you what you are? I say I'm a writer and performer, which oh. sounds so wanky. I, used I to do s- that on forms because yeah. putting comedian down... Yeah. <laughs> I say writer, performer. I used to say spoken word artist. I got a few eye rolls when I said that. And I guess I need to be the bigger person and, you know, and accept it and own it. I know there's a lot of people out there saying, you just got to own it. Like, no one else is going to own it if you don't. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm just kind of anti wank. I just don't want to be a wanker at the end and of the yet day you be, yet you want to be a performance poet people would say that that is those two things are intrinsically linked i know isn't that funny but i'm similar i mean in terms of for me it's the thing that i fear is not uh, wankishness it's being put in a box mm. which puts me up against a difficult thing when people say well what do you do like what's your thing what's your mm. style and i'm having like an inherent like n- nasty kickback in my in my system that says don't tell me what I am yes you know don't don't put me in a box don't say I'm a particular kind of I think that was like 
I spend a lot of time trying not to fit easily into one particular box and then people are like, but you need to do that to be mm. able to market yourself and I find that really upsetting. Absolutely. I know. I hear you on that as well. Um, when I tell people that, you know, I say I'm a writer, perform what kind of stuff do you write? And I say, yeah, well, like I write a bit of comedy and they go, oh, tell us some jokes. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just the worst? And I just say, no, I don't really write jokes. I just kind of tell stories about my life and some people think it's funny. Yeah. Other people probably don't think it's funny at all. I mean, that's the nature of art though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yes. That's what makes what you do. I mean, on the other, on the other hand... Um, recently someone played me some footage of, um, Louis. Louis C.K. Yes, Louis C.K. And he's immensely popular. Now he is. immensely popular for a comedian. That's true. That's true. But what I actually, what I was listening to, and I've heard, like, his old stuff and, and chuckled and, you know, giggled along... The new stuff that I actually heard, I was quite objective. I was actually listening to the stories he was telling and objectively they weren't funny. <laughs> but, but it's Louis C.K. Mm. Everyone loved it. Like he was getting such a good response and packed audiences. And so, and there is, and I've, I've had similar experiences even, you know, even in Glebe. Mm. Do we get international listeners on this podcast? Do we yeah, need we to do. explain what Glebe is? Glebe is, yeah, explain what Glebe <laughs> is. Glebe is right next to Sydney University. It's a little suburb. Mm-hmm. It's known for... It's arts, it's Glebe markets on a Saturday. It's kind of alternate, not as alternate as Newtown. Yeah, a lot of different hairstyles and smells, but it tends to be slightly more well-kempt mm. than a very alternative Newtown. Mm. Although yeah. Newtown's getting gentrified. That's true, as is Glebe. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I, I've attended the, the mic in hand comedy nights and I've seen some of the, the people come into open mic who are just absolutely terrific mm. but don't necessarily get the same response as one of the more popular comedians whose material might not necessarily even be that engaging but because they are the well-known comedians just get such a great response from the audience. So Yeah, there's an interesting balance <clears throat> there. Sometimes that is not necessarily about the material, it's about the presentation. But even their presentation was crap. Yeah. Seriously. And then sometimes it is just that it's people just, want to be... It's their following. Because when you laugh in a crowd... It's you saying something about yourself. Hmm. Okay. Which is one of the reasons I think Louis C.K. became popular in an internet age, because you're laughing on your own or among small groups of friends, so he built his popularity quite organically. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a crowd, you want to know that you know X famous person and you find them funny because that says something about you. That's true. On that, on that note... Now that I've started telling people that I write comedy, um, they take it upon themselves each time I see them to ask me, have you seen this comedian or this comedian? And I actually feel really guilty when I haven't heard of that comedian. And I often I haven't because I didn't grow up um, watching comedy. I mean, I grew up watching Seinfeld, mm. not really knowing it was comedy just kind of thinking well that's life because it really reflected so much of, of my own Jewish um, eastern suburbs. yeah well not not really eastern suburbs but still the whole kind of the jewish oh, where humor were you? Where were you from? well i i went to school in the eastern suburbs but mm. um yeah i grew up in close to the airport Oh. The area, which is still technically eastern suburbs, still a human being. but that, well, my dad grew up in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, which for our international listeners <laughs> is considered one of the more wealthier areas, suburbs close to the ocean. Um, my dad grew up in Bondi, famous oh, yes. Bondi Beach. Didn't spend much time on the beach. Came from a family of workaholics, and as soon as he um, was able to, you Blowing know, settle down, yeah, it's true. Mm. He just. Um, he left. He didn't want to. He didn't want us to kind of grow up in the ghetto. He liked the more kind of alternate, yeah. um, factory like space dwellings in Botany, which I didn't fully appreciate at the time. I was just pissed off that I wasn't in Bondi You're with my friends. mates. Yeah. But looking back now, I'm like, you know what? He was quite a resourceful man and quite ahead of his time in that whole kind of moving out space so, mm. so is your dad a little bit of a non-conformist then um <laughs> no 
Yeah, in his own way, non-conformist. Dad, um, yeah, he's got his little quirks. Mm. He's not the non-conformist kind of hippie type. Mm. He's the non-conformist, um, I don't give a shit about what anyone else thinks. And really, and you know when you hear people that say, I actually don't care what other people think, Every, we say everyone cares. They say that because they think. think that'll make people think better of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've often said, and people said that to me, you don't care what other, and I'm like, I deeply care about what other people think. I think my dad genuinely does not care what other people think. Mm-hmm. Like he, he needs to, he's got his strict routines. He has to be up at, you know, 4.30 every morning. He's workaholic, but he has this thing that he always wears a tie and my mum's always telling him, you'll be the only one there without a tie. Take your tie off if they're going. And he's like, no, nah, I have to wear my tie. I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. He's also got this thing with vests. I've never spoken about this before <laughs> in, uh, in, um, with strangers. Right. Yeah, he's got vests. He loves vests. Okay, who doesn't love vests? <laughs> vests are pretty cool. Wait, so waistcoats? Okay, or... no. So in summer, it's mm. his high-vis... Um, he's in construction, so it's his high-vis vests with, okay. like, reflective surfaces, which he'll just wear to dinner. Okay. My mum will have to tell him to take it off. In winter... And is there a tie under this? Yeah. There, oh, yeah. God. Okay. okay. In winter, it's his fishing jacket. He's never been fishing, but he likes the warmth, and he likes that it's got all these pockets uh-huh. in it so he can keep his, like, little writing pad and his pens and, like, his... Blackberry, and again, he really didn't um, approve of the new smartphone technology. He loved his old Nokia phone. Did kind of conform in a way to the Blackberry, and accepted that liked that emails could come to the phone. But when it came to the smartphone, the iPhone just really kind of resisted that in many ways. So he doesn't so, like sleeves, but he likes a warm torso. Yeah. <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah. Plus he to likes keep his, warm. his throat and chest yeah. protected at all times. It's his vest. It's his thing. And he just doesn't care. When we have people over for dinner, he'll burp. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what, did that, what impact did that have on you? You say you're still interested in people-pleasing, but you've taken the path less chosen for a, for a eastern suburb, suburbs Jewish girl. That's as true. have I, even though I'm not technically Jewish. So I had a little bo- bit more leeway. Look, as I said, as I said prior, I don't know if you would have heard this backstage at the um, Sydney Jewish Comedy Festival. You had just gotten off stage, mm. I think. I was probably in that sort of weird roaring space yes, that you're in. when you come off stage. And I, um, I said to the audience something along the lines of, so there we are. Yes, like, halakhically, she's not Jewish, but now that you've seen her and how adorable she is and how intelligent she is, she's Jewish enough for you. Because yeah. that's just, like, such a Jewish thing to say, you know? Oh, but but he's got a Jewish soul. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, well, Jewish my, enough. My dad, who is the Jewish one still in the shops, he'll go down to Rose Bay and he'll see one of these old ladies and they'll come up to him and say, Mike, when will we see you at synagogue? <laughs> Do they like still been, do that? It's been 35 years since my dad was in any way religious. I love that. Oh, this is my brother, Henry. Who's this? Henry? Hey. No, that's okay. You're going to be on our podcast. Henry, what are you doing here? right now. Yeah. Oh, how embarrassing. No, but Henry... This is recorded at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's not six o'clock in the morning. I did a Facebook stalk of you recently. Oh, that's so? Yeah, you got married. I did, yes. When? So... So did I in January. That's something we have in common. (laughs) Yes, she's a poet. Wow. Having said that, I haven't written any poetry in five months, six months. Is that funny though? That you just feel like you're, if you haven't written in a certain amount of time, it's like, well, I don't know if I'm that anymore. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like that is a better impulse to have than the opposite impulse where you ask somebody what they do and they're like, well, I'm a director. And you say, oh, what have you directed? And they go, well, you know, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to, it's that kind of dress for success American thing where they say what they are as though the work followed. And I don't know if I believe in that philosophy. I think you are what you do. More or less. Yeah. So right now I'm a depressive. 
No. Oh. No jokes. Um, who did you marry? Who did I marry? I yeah. married my, um, my very long time girlfriend, sweetheart, whatever you call her, Linda. Um, so we've been together for years. Oh, cool. Is she staying here at the moment too? Um, she's, she's back in the UK. She just got back. Mm-hmm. And I'm just having some visa, visa issues. Oh, so do you live in the UK? I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. My, I just did everything wrong. Like, I basically made every wrong visa decision that I could have along the way. Yeah, good. So I should have applied for a student visa. I applied for a working holiday visa, which meant that I had to come back to renew it. Here, instead of applying again for a student visa, I applied for a spouse visa, which means that they immediately... You know, go into become, mad lockdown. Yeah, go into a mad lockdown. And now they just... I'm just like... I said, they was like, yeah, this will be processed in five days. Like, two weeks later, not a word. Well, at least you get to hang out here. At least I do, but I just... But the, the problem is that flights don't change themselves. So I just have to Too true. pop it on the chin, like a thousand dollar flight, if that <laughs> doesn't come through today or tomorrow. Insurance? I don't think you can get insurance for being an idiot. He also claimed insurance on the way here because... I claimed insurance, so I claimed insurance to put my flight back already and on the way here. Because of mum being sick. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they include visa idiocy. Among the reasons to claim, I can't think of a good enough reason to claim again that they would accept. You do that. So do you have a, an idea for the theme? Are we back on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll good. just cut it together. No, that's fine. We'll be good. Oh, we're talking about doing what you are, uh, being what you do, and then also I wanted to ask you what your wait hear me out for this week is. Oh, do you have one every week? Mm, most weeks. I have a whole list. Hmm? I have a whole list. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it then. You'll see, I mean, I'll see how many we get to. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about difficult ideas that you would never air except in the kind of safe space that tea creates. Mm. Which then goes on to... Um, to the whole world yeah shout out to our listeners in uganda how are you doing i don't know if we have uganda i know <laughs> we have um we have sweden and america a few in uh, japan great yeah it's sort of astonishing to me because i haven't done well this has been a really organic thing it's not something i've done publicity for mm. and it's it's very cool something funny i got a text last night i know this is a tangent but you know whatever mm. Got a tech. Hey, little dude. I get distracted easily. There's, a, right. there's just a bug crawling around. I decided to good, acknowledge. Good, good not squishing it. By yeah. The way, because uh, I know I'm. I'm in a Buddhist. Household. I know. I'm aware. I'm in a Buddhist household. Um, so I got a text last night from um, a girl who's in my phone as Heidi, big fan. Um, (laughs) who started out actually she pronounces her name Haiti sorry Haiti if you're listening Um, Haiti big fan Haiti no big fan I know Haiti yeah Haiti big fan um, who originally started off as someone who was my fan after seeing me perform and then like you know we 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 chat now and she texted me yeah (laughs) I had an email in from somebody who was asking that very question of like he'd emailed me said I really like your stuff Mm. Is it, do you fraternise with your fans mm. or not? And so what did this girl say? So she um, <laughs> she texted me and she said, do you know Alice Fraser? Oh. And which I thought was funny because I was just like going through my calendar and writing things down and I'd just written tea with Alice 10 a.m. <laughs> and I said, yes, I do actually. You just incidentally uh, revealed when Hen woke up. No, <laughs> that's true. 10 a.m. Um... And I said, yes, incidentally, Mm. I am seeing her tomorrow at 10 a.m. And then I went to bed and then I woke up this morning and she'd written back and she said, you should do a radio show with her. We totally She had no idea. She had no idea I was coming here for a podcast. Then she said, I saw her emceeing last night or the night before in Surrey Hills and she was... Can I read you the message? Yeah, I'd love to read the message. I love fan mail. It makes me feel really good about my choices in life. Yeah. else had written on your Facebook page that you were amazing. Would anyone like some salmon while I have a massive salmon 
gluten. Did you say some sandwich? Some salmon. You've got salmon. Well, my dad just brought me salmon. I thought I could have, like... Because Hen's home, he's the prodigal. So dad just brings him all his food. Oh, yeah, my That's great. See, I love going home for salmon. Yeah. In fact, I was once dating a guy who was, let's just say agnostic... <laughs> brought up in a Christian home who once we were dating and I invited him over for dinner, he's like, will there be salmon? <laughs> and I was like, why? And he's like, Jews love smoked salmon. Will there be smoked salmon? Like it was some kind of treat. There you go. <laughs> it is a treat. <laughs> See, Alice, it's your Jewish soul. It's it's well, the thing is that dad loves loves all these weird sort of smoked things and, and pickled liver. things and chopped liver and all of these things. Yeah. And I don't eat those things. So when Henry comes home, so when I come home, Dad will be like, have some berries. Like, <laughs> he doesn't quite know what I like. But Henry, he's like, I, I've brought lots of meat. Smoked salmon's great. I just don't know if I could eat it on its own. At 10 o'clock in the morning. Though I'm eating wasabi peas at 10 a.m. Um... Of course, when I need the message, it's not here, is it? Taking a while to load. Anyway, she just essentially said that... It's all right. Um, you were amazing. What was the topic? Gone up. Oh, here. Here we go. Loading. I saw her MC last night. She was bloody brilliant. Wow. Just can see you as two peas in a pod. Fuck. That is true, because we have had this, like... Not to list the things. Mm. Poetry, mm. comedy, tutoring. Mm. Uh, you're a wedding celebrant, which I'm not, mm-hmm. but uh, I have been a fitness trainer, so it's a similar sort of just, <laughs> what do I want to do with what I've talked to people? Yes. Like, <laughs> it's true. How can I mix, how can I fuse together my ability to talk to people with making some kind of money? So I assume your parents suggested that you try being a lawyer. Um, no. Uh-huh. My dad suggested that I be an architect because he's a builder, so uh-huh. he wanted me to come in and fill that role. My mum didn't have any suggestions. I think she suggested, what about arts law? Because then you could do your arty subjects. And That was the, that was the line they did on me. <laughs> My mum didn't suggest anything, though, because I was so anxious mm. and all the like achievements were just from my own stress. Mm. I think my mum just tried everything just to like, you can be whatever you want, just relax. Do you want to come out shopping? I mean, leave me alone, I need to study. Oh no, so self-induced pressure. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, so what we, we were talking about something before we were offered salmon. And before I went on the tangent of how great you were in Surrey Hills. And how we should do a radio oh, show Oh, it was my, my thing, the... Um, it depends what... <laughs> you just eat smoked salmon on its own. You're just eating smoked salmon on its own. Oh, I'm kind of having breakfast. Yeah, no thank you. Thanks, Henry. Put it in a bowl and This eat is it like a, becoming a Seinfeld episode, this <laughs> podcast. Of, so, so salmon? No oh, salmon. Oh, no salmon. Um, you know what they say about salmon people? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> they smell like fish. <laughs> on that note, I do have a story about salmon... Go, you... go ahead and then we'll go into okay, like, sorry. the rants for the week. Another tangent. Um, so I grew up, um, you know, in, you know where I grew up, but, mm. but there's this woman in Bondi mm. who's known as the Salmon Lady. Oh, because? Because she, she sells she salmon sells... <laughs> wholesale. Like black market, like cash. You, you, you give me cash, I give you salmon. She's, she's Russian. I guessed. She's great. So my mum was hanging out with a bunch of her friends many years ago in Bondi and there was a, the bell rang and it was the salmon lady coming to deliver her friend's salmon. And my mum, that's when my mum found out, like this woman sells like a kilogram of salmon, really cheap cash. And it fell off the back of the truck. Yeah, and the salmon lady says, I, I, you know, I sell salmon. You want salmon? I give you salmon. And Where did she get this salmon? <laughs> it's, I don't know, okay? Just, she has the illusion of just having salmon. Okay. And it's the so. Worst superpower. I know. <laughs> producing salmon. I guess that's what you would do if that was your only superpower. That's true. That's what she does. It's her income. And so she says, 
you want salmon? I deliver. Where you live? And my mom says, in botany. And she says, I don't go to botany. So my mom and I have this, like, every time we, like, have salmon around, we, no salmon for you. She's the salmon Nazi, essentially. She wouldn't deliver to botany. They brought that round into, like, a nice Seinfeld call. It's true. That See? was beautifully done. Should I get my list? Yes, Are you going to make fun of me for having no, no, a list? No, 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 no. Impressed at your organisational skill, I couldn't even be bothered coordinating a shirt with sleeves on it this morning. So I'm like your dad. It's <laughs> like a warm chest. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So I've I've been um, people have made fun of me in the past for having lists mm. and being too organised because there's, there's this perception that in comedy or you know, that kind of area that you need to be spontaneous and things need to be off the cuff and, you know, you need to that be able to improvise. Myth. That's a, a myth that I find pernicious is, mm. and it was a romanticism thing, where the idea of the artist as divinely inspired uh, became more important than the idea of the artist as craftsman. Mm. And I think it's bullshit. And okay. it makes people undervalue and at the same time sort of put artists on a pedestal because like what they do is inexplicable and not at all related to doing heaps of hard work Mm. it bothers me good so thank you okay because i and to be honest this was so that i would be prepared but also because i wanted to write a list to prevent me from actually going through stuff at night not being able to sleep okay so what's the theme of this section it's called wait hear me out wait hear me out number one everyone is homosexual Okay. Everyone. Do I go into it or do I just say Absolutely that? go into it. Oh. I'm pretty sure that I thought of this but that other theorists who are far more um, famous and intellectual than myself have written papers on it. Like, I have heard that this isn't just, like, my idea. But I think that everyone is homosexual and, and similarly to that whole concept that everyone is, say, autistic, there's just a spectrum and where are you on that spectrum? Um, I started thinking about this after my friends would say, like, I'd I'd talk about a guy and I'd go, oh, he's he's gay, or that girl, she's definitely gay, and my friends would be like, you think everyone is gay? Yeah, yes, yes, I do. And I was like, well, actually, I sort of do. And I guess we were were having a discussion, myself and my girlfriends, and I was chatting about a girl that I'd met who I was very attracted to, and I was like, I would go down on her. And one of my friends said that that repulsed her so much that she actually felt nauseous. I was like, isn't that interesting that that concept of going down on a woman makes you feel nauseous? So you are on the far, let's say... So Kin- the, the Kinsey proposed that, the scale. The scale. One to, one to six, is it? See, you know what I'm saying? People who are far more famous and intellectual and perhaps... Um, more articulate have mm. written papers on this, but I 100% believe that everyone, um, you know, I think everyone yeah, is gay. There's probably a tipping point at some point where I think generally the going down on the woman is the like that's the that's the big wall. Okay. That is sort of it's not something that you can enjoy if you're a gay man. Uh, recruit a fantasy if you are confronted, as it were, face-to-face with the reality of the situation. There you go. Um, so Alice's brother Henry has um, slightly... He looks. He's very upset when I talk about sexual things. Okay. Is that what the look was, or is the salmon not? Because <laughs> if it's not any good, I know a woman. <laughs> and she delivers to Double Bay. The salmon woman. Her name is the salmon lady. He's ignoring me now. Okay, number two, everyone has an eating disorder. This is another topic which was presented to me by my girlfriends who I'd be like, like they, you know, look at that girl. I was like, she's got an eating disorder, 100%. They're like, you think everyone has an eating disorder? And I do. I think everyone, everyone's eating patterns are disordered. I don't think that I know a single person who eats purely out of instinct, out of... Um, there's a word that I'm looking for, but it's not coming to my mind at this point. I think everyone is an emotional... Yeah. Eater to some point. Well, I, I mean, think everyone got, thinks too much about it. You've got two, I think there's two interlocking things with eating stuff. One is that you have impulses that you are not aware of. Mm. Like it's coming to winter, I am eating more than I think I should. Mm-hmm. And so then you have this, the should part of it, the second order desire where you're like, I don't want to put on weight, 
Mm. We don't live in a country where winter is a big deal. Mm. We have clothes now. We can keep ourselves warm through mechanical means. And so then yep. you have this kind of the warring impulse of what you should and shouldn't do. The fact that a healthy weight is not a desirable weight for a lot of people means that you have like a tension between that. Mm-hmm. Isn't it something like 80 or 90% of women have... I think it's 100% of women. And I also think it's... What about men? I think 80%. Mm. So then the other interlocking strand, I think, is the stories part of people. Mm. That's part of the should element, which is that we all tell these stories and that's kind of what makes us human. I have this theory about people and the amazingness of the... like. Um, the nature of the story is that it can evolve you in less than a generation, like adaptive evolution, mm. but it, it allows you to know danger or to know a positive thing that you've never experienced from a distance, from someone you've never met, mm. because the part, your story gets passed on, the story gets passed on. Mm. Like the first time you actually see a gun, you get a physical reaction to it that's not doesn't come from the fact that a gun looks scary. A gun doesn't look scary. It's just a thing. Mm. In your you know, evolutionary hindbrain, it's just an oddly shaped rock. But sure. you have seen enough stories, you know enough stories that you have actually a f- physical reaction, mm. adrenaline and all of that stuff. Mm. So that, though, there's the point being that stories are very powerful, so they're interfering with the kind of... Anyway, mm. that's my theory. You're very smart. Alice is very smart, Ugandan <laughs> listeners. I think what, I that, what, what that was was convoluted and confused. Yeah. But it's good. So this theory that everyone has an eating disorder. Yeah, like even let's, you know, go, going back to my dad, who is someone who actually doesn't care and he doesn't care about his physical appearance. That is just something that's not on his <clears throat> radar. But he's 100% an emotional eater and, and, you know, eats because he's bored mm. um, as an outlet from, you know, workaholism and... Workaholicalism, workaholism, work, workaholism. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, even he isn't um, an intuitive eater. Mm. So, I just think 100% of people need to. And um, and I've been in a clinic before when I was a teenager um, to get my eating habits back on track. And I was like, do you know what? This is so helpful for me. But I actually think every single person, Could I think this should be like, you do the HSE or you do like in some schools do like their few weeks. I don't know. I think in you know, Scott's college, what do they call it? They call it their, um, what do they call it? Henry? Stuvac? No, in year 10, oh, they get yeah. sent out to a, yeah, outward bound or something uh, like that. I think everyone should Duke have like, yeah, Duke of Ed or something like that. They should have a week oh. where they, or two weeks where they learn how to just eat properly again. Hmm. I just think we've all, without watching television, without like walking, just sitting down, enjoying a meal, being uh, meditative about what we're eating, why we're eating it, just kind of get back to that human instinct interesting my I have I had a very good friend who was badly anorexic mm-hmm. in high school and she said uh you never get over it you just learn to pretend you're over it okay so I see it differently mm. I don't pretend I'm over it um this was I mean when she said pretend she means eat as though you were over it. yeah some people do mm-hmm. and I think um there was an analogy given to me which maybe isn't so relevant anymore because not many of us have iPods anymore But um, I I think it was the music therapist in this clinic who said it's kind of like your illness or your eating disorder, instead of it being on repeat as it was every day, now it's kind of on random. So every so often it'll come up, the song will come up once Mm. and you kind of have the ability to just let the the song play out, Mm. then move on, or you can pause that song and whatever, change it. But it's not that kind of on-repeat track all the time. See, I think that takes you back, or it takes, because I can make it take us back to the idea of the story thing. Mm. Because there's this thing that's just, for you, before you go into the clinic, it's just a set of feelings. Mm. And because you can't articulate it, it has control over you. But if you attach a a metaphor to it, if you turn that into a story, it's a Mm -hmm. song, and it's a track, and the track comes up, and then you have a little set of images in your head now because of the story that's a press, a play button and a pause mm. button and a skip button and 
a repeat button, that gives you, just the, having that story gives you the tools to, to deal with something that is actually just in a mess of sensation. That yeah, that's actually made it yeah, even more clear for me now. Thank you. You are smart. Hmm. I'm a thwarted therapist, maybe. Just say thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Sh- compliments. Do you have problems with compliments? Um, yes, but I make an effort to say thank you because mm. I find it excruciating when I'm on the receipt. Like when I give someone a compliment and they can't take it, it is so excruciatingly awkward for me. I don't want other people. I'm getting to feel better that at way. it because it happens after gigs. Yes. So I, I've had to practice being good at, at that, but I still prefer kind of getting an email because then I can take it on my own. Sure. Terms. But that's something that's a problem with our whole culture. Mm, absolutely. I had this happen to me yesterday. I was hit in the back of the head walking across the street. Yes, I saw that update. You didn't say which suburb it was in, though. It was in the CBD. Okay. I was just at midday, uh, 1.30pm, and a guy... It was quite strange because for a a split second I thought it was quite an intimate thing. I thought it must be a friend Mm. because I was wearing my banjo, which runs up the back of my neck and protects the back of my head. Mm. Uh, It's like a backpack um, and the neck of it goes behind Mm -hmm. me. So he had to reach in between that and my head and he put his hand on the back of my head and then just threw me forward. And I got to the other side of the street and kind of turned around to see what had happened because I stumbled and and fell down on one knee and you're on the road so Mm. your immediate instinct is to get up and off the road and he was walking off he was clearly just a mad person Mm. and nobody stopped to say anything about anything like no one stopped to ask if I was okay one man stood and looked at me for about 30 seconds like he was he clearly felt like he should help mm. he didn't know what he could do to help he wanted me to ask him for help mm. but he couldn't just say are you okay mm. which was so weird that is so strange like he wasn't sure what did I know the guy or what was there some cause or some reason and in my head no matter what the cause or reason a man just pushed a woman over in the street mm. even if I had known him which I didn't even if mm. we had an ongoing fight, which we hadn't. Mm. He was gone. There was no danger to this other man in asking me if I was okay. Yeah. Like, I would sort of understand if you didn't want to interfere in a fight between people because you don't mm. know what their story is. But there's no story where a woman gets pushed over where saying, are you okay, is not correct. In my experience, I've only ever had people ask if I'm okay. And in some... That's just... This is why I found your story so weird. And and Alice, actually, you did post that that had happened on Facebook and I read some of other people's comments and someone said, yeah, that's just the society we live in. Isn't it a shame? Like, I feel that that was, like, such a strange... It struck me as very strange. Was the guy who hit you Mm. wearing a suit? No. So he was clearly like a homeless. Was he homeless or? He was. He looked like he was. Huh. This is judgmental. Yeah. What was your snap judgment? A couple of notches above homeless, but Mm. probably alcoholic or on drugs. His complexion was that kind of bit deeper red than it should be. Mm. So it looked like he had something in his system. Mm. Do you think that being in the CBD makes a difference? Because I feel like CBD has this whole kind of own energy of people just needing to get to where they need to go and not kind of and headphones on and yeah cbd lunch hour and Mm. also yeah i don't know there was a moment where i thought i must have done something i must have kicked something over or accidentally hit him with my bag and that's why people weren't stopping because they saw it as an exchange but I, i hadn't done anything it wasn't like he was sitting on the street or i'd stepped on his foot or you know, no, it's so odd. I'm so sorry that ha- had to happen to you. Oh, it's, it's all right. I'll, I'll figure out a way to turn it into comedy. What's your, <laughs> what's your next topic? Tragedy plus time. Each of these could be a whole podcast, you know. Maybe we'll have to have you back and, and play out each one in a longer is, form. Is but that an invitation for future podcasts? an invitation. Podcast? Appreciate that. Okay, the next one. People who don't wear helmets while cycling or skating or rollerblading deserve to have permanent facial scarring. This is like a pet peeve of mine and I am known 
to put my window down and actually like have an exchange if at the lights so obviously don't want to freak them out but I'll say like hey man why aren't you wearing a helmet mm. and I know that is and the person who's in the passenger seat with me just kind of just sinks down into their seat but I just find it so bizarre consider it a performance pot poem <laughs> performance art piece but it, isn't safety. it bizarre but I just don't get it. Or even like wearing thongs whilst like, do you know anyone who does, are you? I've seen somebody who wears, wore a thong on a, um, thongs on a motorbike. Yes. Flip-flops for our Flip-flops, American I was going to say. Mm. Um, <laughs> flip-flops and shorts on a motorbike. Mm. And I said, well, uh, it was, just struck me as they were riding past and I thought, yeah, if you don't want to have any flesh on the outsides of your legs, sure. Can I just interrupt? I don't know if deserves is the right word. Okay, good. someone might run them down. They don't deserve to be run down. I perhaps you need to be a bit clearer. You know, see, that's why we do this topic, because it's hear me out, right? Hear yes. me out. They don't deserve to be run down. They deserve to have the scarring from whatever happens to them so that they can then open up that discussion every time, says, mm, how did you get that weird vertical scar? across your face and um and they say well i was riding my bicycle i wasn't wearing a helmet are you are you a bicycle are you a cyclist without a helmet no i'm a helmet i have done it without a helmet and why was that just didn't have a helmet with me and you had to just well i could have walked i suppose yeah so i've said this to people who actually do ride their bicycles without helmets and they just think it's funny. I think they deserve deformities. Okay. Deserve deformities. Yeah. What about if every time somebody goes into the hospital with a self-inflicted stupid wound or a drug overdose, they have to get their testicles zapped? (laughs) (laughs) It just cuts their sperm count by half. (laughs) Testicles, yeah. Or, or, Or ovaries. Either way, yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. Maybe if, if it's if it's like a repeat offence. Yeah. Like maybe the first time they hit, but you know, if they make the same mistake again. You basically like just ruled out probably like sixty percent of the male population <laughs> under twenty-five. Yeah, as if we need that. We're already struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. This is our list, okay, Henry? I'm not saying you know damage them. I'm just saying just you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Slightly remove them from the gene pool. Mm. <laughs> I like that. I don't mean it. Henry looks scarred and traumatised. Alice's brother, not so I'm not so actually much. P- seriously proposing testicle zapping. I'm just saying it would it's serve them right. It's very disturbing for eating breakfast too. Like, <laughs> eating disorders. It's true. It's not our fault that you're eating breakfast at oh, quarter to 11 in the morning. First impression, see? Now I have to let go of everyone like me. You'd blame it on jet lag, but he's been here for six weeks. I love that. Um, All right, what about um, people who claim to have perfect relationships or marriages simply lack emotional intelligence or depth? I would go a step further than that. Yeah, and say? Which is people who lack any obvious madness make me suspicious. Hmm. I think everyone has to have a bit of madness somewhere because otherwise I start talking to them and then if I haven't encountered any sort of bizarre little quirks by the first hour or two, Mm -hmm. I start going, where are you hiding it? Mm. Where is it? What is it? Why are you hiding it? What is it? And then I just assume that it's something quite dark Mm. and and compressed. Yeah, I I actually think... I was reflecting on this recently. I don't think I can even be friends with people who are just too too rosy, too happy. Well, there are two options. One is that it's a facade mm. and that they're hiding damage. Mm-hmm. The other is that they're just genuinely that boring. <laughs> so, again, which is why I just don't know if I can be friends with that. And, and I did get married in January, so a lot of the kind of questions when I bump into someone who I'm not, you know, too too friendly with is how's married life Mm. which I've now 
I, I actually don't answer it. When they say, how's married life? I say, how's your married life? Or how's your relationship? Or how's being single? Like I kind of put it onto them, which is a bit mean. Um, but some people, you know, I'll be really honest and say, yeah, it's actually, it's actually quite challenging. Mm. And I love the people who respond back with, yeah, it is. And people aren't, people um, don't want to say that. They I think that's kind of people feel guilty saying, you know what's actually challenging. I think people want want to say it's amazing, it's like the best thing ever, it's so it's I think just that's amazing. Dangerous. I think if you pretend that something that's that hard is easy, then people who find it difficult feel like they're failing at it. Yes, but I think but I know I've experienced and encountered people who can't relate to that when I say it's challenging they go well, why and I go well isn't it challenging for you and they go no it's so easy it's amazing we have the most amazing relationship we have the most perfect relationship and I just I don't necessarily think they're lying I just think that maybe they they're perhaps... the member of the couple who's feels that it's comfortable and the other person's swallowing a lot possibly yes or that they just don't analyze stuff mm. in the way that I, and I'm presuming you, Mm -hmm. analyse stuff and actually evaluate the relationship and what's going on. I think they just lack that depth Mm. to just see things on the surface or perhaps they want to see it so badly as perfect that that they end up just seeing it that way. So a part of me envies them because I'm like, I just want to be simple and think everything's awesome all the time. But yeah, I guess that's just. But then not you wouldn't us. be a poet, would you, or a comedian? That's true. A comedian is the analytical mind, isn't it? Mm. It's a similar thing where you just can't take things at face value. You have to figure out why they are. Mm. Yeah. What's the next one? Okay, um, I'm kind of mixing up the order now. All pimples and blackheads should be squeezed. <laughs> Okay, I know that, you know, dermatologists around the world will tell, and they've all done all these reports, you shouldn't squeeze them, you shouldn't break the skin. I'm sorry, I would much prefer to look at someone's scab than like a big white kind of, or a big like festering kind of blackhead. I'm big on squeezing. How about yourself? I'm, I, I would probably agree with you. <laughs> I think because... I think it's probably not a rational thing, but if you see pus, you think infection. Mm. I think that's probably like a little hindbrain thing, whereas if you just see a nick or a cut or like a scab, then you just think, oh, well, it's just... That could have happened... That could have been caused by a number of things. Mm. But I think there's something about... Yeah, the, the... the, the nature of pus that is or, more revolting. Or a blackhead, like just the nature of dirt and yeah. wanting to get it out. But I know loads of people who, A, think squeezing pimples and blackheads is gross mm. and, B, actually I've seen them, like, leave a whitehead or a blackhead on their face and they just don't touch it. And I just, I would love to get into their psyche. Like, how do they, how does that not bother them? <laughs> I don't what camp are you in? I... I probably would say get rid of it. But, but do you enjoy it? Probably, yeah. So you, you haven't thought about this. I haven't, haven't thought about yeah. it enough. I'm, I'm like big. I just think it's great. I think squeezing the perfect pimple can be on par with the perfect orgasm. If if a perfect orgasm you exists, been having <laughs> it's <perfect> true. <laughs> no, but it's like you've great. Had some, you've either had some amazing pimples or just not enough good sex. I've had some amazing pimples. I've also, um, I actually, I employ others to um, not to squeeze mine, but to let me squeeze theirs. Wow, you employ, yeah. you pay them? No, I employ in the yeah, not the you monetary re- sense. Re- I recruit. Them. I should have used the word recruit. I recruit There's others. Something very uh, monkey-like about grooming somebody else. Mm. And sort of scratching someone's back, or you know, pulling out white hairs, or whatever. That's true. It is. Some people do like yeah, or playing with other people's hair. And some women have that instinct to want to give someone else a makeover who they see potential with. I will see, like, men especially because their skin is, you know, generally thicker and their pores are more open and, you know, especially on the back. Mm. 
I will be asking my male friends if I can squeeze some of their blackheads. And how do your male friends respond to this? Um, some of them really appreciate it because they actually can't get to their own backs. Mm-hmm. Um, others think it's strange. My husband hates it. Oh no! So, but he, this is the this is the floor at the heart of your marriage. It's true. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> he he actually yeah. So we'll like bargain. So he'll be like, no, I don't want to wash the dishes tonight. And I'll be like, if you let me squeeze your pimple or that blackhead that I've been staring at for a few days, I will wash up. And for my birthday, I requested 10 minutes of blackhead squeezing without him screaming. He wasn't allowed to make a noise Holy so that I wouldn't feel guilty. Is that weird? Yes, <laughs> but not necessarily in a bad way. Oh, and YouTube videos. I will seek they have out YouTube videos. Do you not know they have YouTube videos of like world's biggest pimple or Holy amazing no. blackhead extraction? You no. are missing out. No, what no, about, I'm not. What about the iPhone app? No, they've what? got an app that you can download and you can actually squeeze. So you're not alone in this. Co- no, I thought I was alone, and then I started talking about it. I raised this you taboo found an issue. Internet con- connection, community. a whole community, not even online. Just like yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, an interesting urge particularly is it mainly women that have it yeah in my experience all right i'm gonna go like pop chair psychology on this yeah we need to yeah that was a mashup of pop chair psychology and pop psychology (laughs) Uh, but you know how guys have an urge to like stab things Mm-hmm. And penetrate things. Mm-hmm. Maybe women have a similarly procreative urge to squeeze things out, mm. to get rid of dirt, to clean things up. Yeah, I would say even more, just to like birth little things. Yeah, it's a little birth process. It is getting something out. It's birthing. We've gotten quite deep with this. It mm. really is a birthing experience. And if you type in squeeze it best pimple squeeze on youtube i never will are you you really not going to i might i might i don't know it is actually like a birthing of something it's a shame that henry isn't still eating his breakfast with us (laughs) because i think we've just we've broke the barrier yeah um women should stop wearing high heels yes it's quite strange when you step back and you just think we are still wearing high heels this mm. makes no sense. Well, yeah. I mean, women do a lot of things that are purely for aesthetics at the, at the cost of function. But then people do that in all areas of life. Like what else? Like wearing a necktie is, you know, non-functional, purely aesthetic. That's true, but you can still kind of walk. No, yeah, but it is constricted. That's true. Neck. You probably couldn't run. In a full suit. That's probably true. probably couldn't wrestle or, you know, walk very fast even because mm-hmm. the sweating would move. It's not as intense as high heels. So I guess it's some things, like even when I was walking along Macquarie Street in Sydney and saw a lot of the judges with their mm. wigs, what are they called? Is there a... Wigs. Wigs. <laughs> and I, I was walking with my mum and I turned to her and I said, isn't it amazing that we're still... They're still wearing these wigs. Yeah. And my mum's like, yeah, it was all part of the ritual. Like, it's part of the, you know. And So I kind of understand, like, the ritual of wearing a tie and there's a ritual wearing... I don't know. It's just heels is something that I just... Especially when I see women in heels that they really struggle to walk in. Yeah. that the I mean, there's some women who look comfortable in them. And I think that's fine if you can actually walk and feel comfortable in it. Uh, or do you think that's them being delusional or, mm. or wasting time mm. gaining a skill that's mm-hmm. not worthy of mm-hmm. gaining? I, yeah. I just think if they were banned altogether, yeah. like high heels just should be banned. I've said this about pl- plastic surgery before, <clears throat> uh, yeah. and I'll, I'll extend that to heels, mm-hmm. which is it's a similar feeling to when you see a woman who's wearing full religious garb, mm-hmm. like a hijab or mm-hmm. the kind of... Well, you look at them and you go, I, I get that that's your choice, but I don't know if you're making... I don't know why you're making that choice. Mm. Do you think you're not a real woman if you're not dressed like that? Do you think... Who, who's told you that you're not you're mm-hmm. not valuable or worthy unless you dress yourself mm-hmm. either in the kind of the burqa or the heels mm. or the plastic surgery or the, like, those weirdly long nails that seem really non-functional? Mm. 
all of those things, obviously they're on opposite ends of a particular spectrum, but I think in other ways they're on the same end of this spectrum of, like, this is what I need to do to be good at being a woman. Mm. Or for really I know religious Jewish women have to wear wigs called shaitals. Mm. Long skirts, I understand. I understand that, I mean, that for them it's about modesty and the mm. men not seeing the split in their legs or a number of interpretations. And the wig is, is so that only their husband can see their real hair. But that kind of raises questions for me. Well, then why does your wig look so real? Mm. Like almost as, as real as your own hair. And why should your husband be the only one seeing then shouldn't he be wearing a wig as well so that you're the only person who can see what he actually really looks like? Yeah. So, yeah. Have I just gone off topic again? No, no. I guess it's that whole idea. I mean, another one was that most women wear too much makeup. And I I wear makeup. Mm. Um, I, I've actually stopped... As I've gotten older, I've worn less and less, which mm. is really interesting, especially I'm after I became opposite. a performer. Really? You've worn more? Well, I didn't wear any makeup until I was about 25. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, because I I thought the reason people wear makeup is so that they look like they're less than 25. Mm. And then, is that true? Uh, I, when I started performing, um, I started wearing it on stage. Mm. And then once you, I mean, I'm not sure if it's just because I'm getting a bit older or what, but once you start wearing it, then you have to keep wearing it because mm. it it uh, you know you get spots or whatever from the makeup well like cycle. melbourne wearing it every night mm. for a month was a bit much mm. for me i think see i associate now makeup with work because i like well performance and performance yes it's enjoyable but it's still career and i like to have that separation mm. i guess i also i don't know it's the same reason why I decided, you know, not to have a vibrator anymore. So I was, I'm going to make the link. It's coming. It's good. I, like, <laughs> I was I'm like, wait, hear me out. Let's, <laughs> this is what we're doing. It's like I got nervous that I would love the vibrator more than the real thing. So I kind of got nervous that it, by just keeping on wearing the makeup that I would just... Look at your face and not see it as your face without makeup. And be too anxious to not wear makeup at all. Mm. And I guess, and, you know, I've said this... A lot of people this, have that. Yeah. I mean, I've said this to friends and they've said, well, you're really lucky you've got great skin. Thank you, contraceptive pill. Um, no, she and, does have beautiful skin. And I do. I mean, except for, my, except for my random scabs when I really want to squeeze something that perhaps isn't even there in the first place. Oh, but Anxiety. Hello. <laughs> it's true. But even like sometimes when I do have like a breakout, I, there's sometimes I kind of like going out with a breakout and letting the world see it just so that they can know that, yeah, I'm not perfect. I don't have perfect skin all the time. Mm. Let's just get over ourselves. Men typically don't wear makeup. It's kind of not fair that we do. And I'm not saying that from an unfair to women point of view. I'm saying it's unfair to men. Yeah. Like it's unfair. They have to let themselves be vulnerable why can't we let ourselves be vulnerable every so often having said that when I'm you know I do put on makeup when I feel like oh I might meet someone important Mm. or if I'm teaching a new student and I want like the first impression to kind of be a bit glossy and powerful yeah yeah it's a it is a protective thing makeup it's like it's a shield and as you say, maybe it's not fair that we wear a shield. Mm. Why, why, why can't we be vulnerable in that way? Yeah. But yeah, I want to go back to the heels thing. Well, I guess that's kind of why can't we be vulnerable? Maybe that's kind you of. You think heels are a, p- a power play? Kind mm. of. A... I don't know whether they are disempowering or empowering, and you'll get arguments for both sides. But I, I went through a phase where I wore sort of slightly raised shoes when I was in Cambridge, but never like pointy heels. Mm. Never, I could never wear things that I couldn't run away from something in, mm. which is a very uh, distrustful attitude to the world. Um, but. Yeah. Heels were banned mm. altogether. And women weren't even given the option to wear them. Mm. 
then there'd be this kind of new playing field and another friend say well they'd find something else to make them feel powerful it would only exacerbate something else that they're already using i recently had a chat with a friend and we were laughing about the fact that our arms we didn't do anything about the hairs on our arms but we shaved our legs but more people see our arms than your legs so yeah, we're like um, why have we less offensive. we're like why have we done this this is weird and i guess we both said i think we wanted to stop and i do have some friends that that get rid of their hairs on their arms that was one thing i wanted to keep because i kind of thought well if i do that then when then then what it's just kind of if i don't draw the line somewhere i'm just yeah. going to keep hair above the neck acceptable hair <laughs> below the neck not acceptable unless it's on your upper lip chin or upper lip yeah mm. exactly well this is the in, in, I um I know somebody whose girlfriend recently got her um her arm hair lasered off, mm-hmm. and he was really sad about it because mm. he liked it. My husband was really sad that I had some laser badge hair removed mm. in my teens, so I was sick of getting bikini waxes. But I left some there because mm. I didn't want to look like I was seven. Mm. So. I left a bit and he was disappointed. He's like, no, I kind of like want a big bush and you only have a little bush, but it's all right. So we compromise and I've let it grow out and And I've twirled it into a little (laughs) Elvis kind of little curly guy. So it's all good. No, no, it's just a comb over. (laughs) Love that image. Is this podcast like, have we been talking for two hours? No, we've been talking for an hour and 10 minutes isn't that that's good that is good i kind of want to have you back to go through all of these i should come back but in longer format i really enjoyed this engagement parties are a waste of time and money um yes i they should be banned (laughs) so you're a wedding celebrant so you have an opinion about engagement parties that is now i guess qualified you have a qualified opinion it's true though that this opinion just comes from personal experience in my own wedding and and going to other people's engagement parties and feeling like this is just silly this is the party we should be having at the wedding yes you should be putting the money you've put towards the engagement party towards the wedding all the people who are invited here will be at the wedding and then some people say no I invite more people to my engagement party who we can't invite to the wedding well that is just insulting (laughs) to those people you're going to piss them off second tier friends exactly you're going to piss them off either way you may as well just not invite them to the wedding because I think they'll be more angry having given you a gift at the engagement party or have a wedding and that is smaller and then have a big kind of just okay. beach party so, or something yes and like I understand my sister an engagement party and she's like yeah because no one had met my fiance and this was a, a way of getting everyone together and getting to know him before the wedding yes fence sitting again I know that there are exceptions to the rule mm. but as a whole I think that they are a waste of time and money and I will not buy my friends engagement presents no I will put in more into their wedding present i think that is more significant because in the wedding presents they actually tell me what they want whereas in engagement presents i feel i'll make them something Mm. or like there's i once sorry i once gave my friends like some board games yeah as engagement present like as a one-off because i like really loved them i feel like i don't have many friends (laughs) (laughs) so this is not such a huge question for me okay i have lots of friends Mm. I'm more popular than you. Yeah, heaps, heaps more popular. But you're smarter than me. But we shouldn't be putting each other in a box. No, don't, don't lock me down okay. um, into this box. I do have, <laughs> I have, I guess I don't have, of the friends that I have, not a lot of them are of a marrying mm-hmm. class, a yeah. marrying kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few who are sort of older and married already. Mm-hmm. I, I just have not... not it's not something that I've thought about a lot. Okay, well, it will when you, so you know, some of your fans who want to be your friends might be getting married soon. That's probably why they're befriending you. They want you to be at their wedding, yeah, rent I'll, a crowd. Yeah, I'll be an MC for their wedding yeah. if they want. That'd be fun. Sure. I'd love to do that. So now you'll know. You'll think about it the next time you get invited. Do you think our listeners are going to be hearing? Yeah, that's part of the thing. Crunching our this powerful mystery tea has been really good. And because it was a mystery, we could talk about anything. <laughs> Hasn't locked us down to one topic. Well, I think you were right, though. I think it is jasmine. Very floral green. Mm. I like it. I like green tea, too. 
like the caffeine hit. All right, I shall I'll let come back. you go. And mm. yes, I would like to have you back. I do Thank this every you. week. Um, Tammy Sussman, what, do you have a website or a thing that people should look you up? Yeah, sure. Um, so on Twitter, I'm at Sussmania Sydney. Mm-hmm. Like Sussmania, like it's the mania. I'm a Sussmania. S U S M A N I A Sydney S Y D N E Y. And Facebook Sussmania. And website sussmania.wordpress.com. So I don't really have a website, so that's kind of if people want to find out how to contact me. Or I put gigs up there as well. Should I have a website? Probably. We can chat about that if you like. I've got a website. That's alicecomedyfraser.com. But you, I've been on your GitHub website. GitHub is quite easy mm. to do. We'll talk about this offline. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. You're Bye, having tea everyone. With Alice. Oh, sorry, interrupted that. No.